What a beautiful service, isn't it? Just uh, precious. The Lord obviously wants to talk about faith to us this morning. And the, the uh, topic has been entitled, uh, it was going to be a journey of faith, but it's the journey of faith because it includes all of us, isn't it? It's not just one person. It's uh, a, a, a journey, but for each one of us. I stand here before you this morning as a grateful recipient of God's grace, his faithful love and care. In 50, it was 50 years ago, January, uh, that the Lord Jesus uh, encountered me or I encountered him and changed my life. 50 years, that's a long time. Seen a lot of God in that time. Seen some amazing things, ups and downs. But how, God, how great is thy faithfulness. And uh, I just absolutely testify to that. Around that time, I met, uh, those 50 years ago, I met two remarkable women who were also to become wonderful influences on that journey. One is my lovely wife, Bev, and the other was her mother, Bonnie Chapman. Both of these two women have exemplified the journey of faith by obeying the call to follow Jesus. At the beginning of this year, as many uh, will know, Bev was dying of cancer. She was grade four cancer and was in palliative care. She was so ill that I actually contacted a pastor friend and a funeral director to start to make arrangements. We will hear later today more of her amazing story and God's greatest intervention to restore her to the person that you now see today. The other great lady, Bonnie Chapman, passed away just this Thursday, this week, at 106. In the words of that long, of that song, Lord, how long, oh Lord, how long? <laughs> we're, very, we're very appropriate for us. <laughs> 106. There was a lot of visitation in those last yeah. But she was a tr truly remarkable lady. But both of these women built their lives on solid, solid faith based on the words and promises of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Sam introduced to us the theme of the teachings of Jesus which we're going to, as a church we're going to follow uh, for a little while. We particularly, last week we particularly focused on Jesus' words about building our house upon a rock. The challenge for us all is to look at what is that foundation of and, and uh, uh, as we build our lives upon it. And so to be doers of that advice, not just passive hearers. What better advice can we follow than to have faith in the words of Jesus? He is, after all, the cleverest teacher, the smartest man, the greatest counsellor, healer, mender of broken hearts and lives, the peacemaker, loyal and faithful friend, Lord and creator of the heavens and the earth, the Son of God. Amen. So this morning we're going to consider some of, some of Jesus' teachings and references about faith. There are dozens of verses relating to faith, this topic as you look in your concordance, the back of your Bibles. Uh, he commended some people for their faith. The Canaanite woman, for instance, the woman with the issue of blood. The centurion who said he'd never seen such great faith in the whole, all of Israel because he understood authority. And he challenged others, mainly his disciples, when he was training them about their lack of faith. Oh, you of little faith. He even asked that when he returned, would he find faith on the earth? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Faith, we are told in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It means that faith is the result of hearing and understanding the gospel of Jesus. 
The Word of God, the Scriptures, is the message that reveals the truth and the trustworthiness of God and His promises. God uses these Scriptures to open our eyes and our ears to His reality and grace. Without the Word of God, we cannot have faith in God. The writer to the Hebrews in uh, chapter 11 explains further about faith and action. And thanks, Dave, if we could have that uh, scripture of uh, Hebrews 11. Uh, maybe we'll read it together out loud, shall we? Uh, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain for what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Keep going. And by faith Abel, God, uh, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he's dead. And by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe and that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. And by faith, Noah, when warned about the, the, these things, uh, things not yet seen, sorry, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. They're wonderful words, isn't it, about faith. It's impossible to please him. And that's the verse I really wanted to concentrate on this morning. So in that... Um, in that reading, and um, it just, I'd just like to quote a, a lovely man called Paul David Tripp, who writes a uh, new, new Morning Mercies, is what we've sang earlier this morning too, isn't it? Great is your faithful, every morning is new mercies. And he, uh, he, he starts with that thing, he says, Faith in God is more than believing the right things. It is living the right way because you believe the right things. Interesting thing. So he then quotes that, those verses that we just read. And if I may, just a paragraph or two here. The belief of the heart and mind is an essential ingredient of faith, but it does not summarise all that faith is. True biblical faith is always something that you live. If your faith does not reshape your life, it is not true faith. Faith is not just an intellectual assent to a body of truth. I'm afraid that's what it looks like in evangelical uh, Western circles. But really, real faith radically rearranges your life. This is why Hebrews 11 focuses more on what people did with their lives than it does on the details of their theology. Faith is deeply theological, but it is much, much more than that. And as the writer of the Hebrews defines faith, he immediately gives three examples of how real faith in God transforms the way you live. First, faith redirects us and recaptures the worship of your heart. Abel, who gave a sacrifice to God. Both brothers gave a sacrifice, but Abel's came from his heart and was acceptable for God. Secondly, it produces in your heart obedience. And uh, Enoch... Um, 
was, an, was a, um, uh, sorry, he was one of the patriarchs. Uh, I'll, I'll finish that and then I'll come, I'll come back to him. Sorry, I'll, I'll lose my page on my notes. Uh, the third, uh, yeah, and the third one, uh, faith causes you to submit to the calling of God and Noah, how he built an ark in uh, totally countercultural. What a great thing, isn't it? Challenge to us to be countercultural. He built this ark. Uh, now everybody's now think about it. Everybody's life is shaped by what he or she worships, by the rules that she obeys, and by the life calling that he gives gives himself to. True living, biblical faith, causes you to submit all these three things of shaping your influence to God. He becomes the object of the worship of your heart. His rules define the moral boundaries of your life and his kingdom work becomes your joyful calling. It is radical to believe that God really does exist and rewards those who seek him. And that radical belief does radical things to your living. Remember, you can't just conjure up this faith, uh, this life-shaving faith. No, it is a gift of grace. So not only here do we have the list of the wonderful heroes of faith in the Old Testament, but now also in the New Testament. We've got stories and stories and stories. But we've also witnesses in every generation. Every generation since Christ walked this earth, there are witnesses to his glory and those that have had faith to follow Jesus. Both Bev and Bonnie, and in my own experience, and for many of you here, have proved in your own lives that if you believe God... He really does reward those that earnestly seek him. His rewards include his very presence, peace and care and provision as a loving father, in which we sang about that this morning. So the question is, who or what do you believe in? What do you base your life upon? The media, public opinion, books from the library? Jesus asked his disciples this very penetrating question. Who do you say that I am? He got a few different responses, as we do today, when the same question is asked. But for those who believe in God, as revealed by Jesus in the scriptures, the journey of faith begins. It does not always seem logical or make sense initially, but as one person wrote, the fact that you, Jesus, our God, became man, is beyond my comprehension. Yet though I cannot understand it, I stand upon it. It's a good statement, isn't it? He reveals himself over time. In the reading from the Hebrews, the, the, the writer goes on to list these uh, the attributes of faith, which we've just talked about, and, and Enoch was a, a, a patriarch just um, prior to the flood, Noah's flood. He's the father of Methuselah, I think, who never he lived for a thousand years or something. He's Adam's great, 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 great grandson and Noah's great grandfather. He lived a holy and faithful life of service to the Lord and was one of only two people who the Bible said were chosen by God to escape death. How lovely would that be? <laughs> I have to say, but dear mum, just passed so peacefully. It's talking about God rewarding those that you know followed her. She she went to sleep. Uh, about 48 hours before she died, never woke up, just drifted off, went home to Jesus. What a wonderful way to go, just a, a fitting end to a, a, a beautiful person. 
Uh, Bev will tell her own journey in a few minutes, but I'd first just like to refer again to Bonnie. This wonderful lady was not a highly educated woman. She left school very early to go to work, as she had to in those days. She was born in very humble and poor conditions, and I mean that. They actually lived virtually in a tent and a dugout. Uh, they were they were farming, uh, pioneering far, farming families in the Mallee area of the Riverland, and it really was poor. You know, dunny down the garden. Uh, their cold uh, fridge was a was a dugout, and you kept things cool. Uh, in, in the Mallee, you understand, 40 degrees heat. It was they were very poor. Her her, her mother. Uh, Mrs Schneider was a wonderful woman who prayed for the workmen on the farm when they got sick or involved in accidents and it just she would say to you know, because they were miles away from any medical help uh, God was really her only resource and she would say God what do I do this man is, is in pain so a man was uh, uh, had his teeth out and was bleeding and uh, she she felt God show her take foments or something and he gave that and she put a hot water bottle on his tummy and the bleeding stopped it was direct it was direct conversation with god it was the most amazing way uh, so um uh, bonnie grew up with a very godly influence from this wonderful mother and both she and later bev uh, were raised on bible stories uh, bonnie eventually came to adelaide and met and married her, her husband george she had a nervous breakdown around the time that Bev was born, not, not because it was Bev, <laughs> I should hasten to say, but she went through uh, some, some serious um, mental health issues for quite a long time until a friend uh, took her to a healing crusade. It was actually in uh, what is now Sunrise uh, Christian School in Fullerton. And, uh, there's a, a, and she came to faith there, to Christ, and she soon brought her whole family into the church. But she would have panic attacks. And she'd go, she'd go into, the, into town and uh, she'd be doing her shopping and then all of a sudden she'd be gripped with fear and panic. But she'd learnt to have a little, um, a little notebook and in, in this notebook she uh, wrote scriptures, uh, reassuring and comforting scriptures. And so she would sit and uh, find a quiet spot and then she would read these scriptures and memorise them and, and talk to God and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm resisting this, I'm not going to give in. And uh, when she calmed down and the thing left her, uh, she would uh, get on the bus and come home. So it was just amazing. She, she became um, uh, just a... Um, yeah, just a, a strong understanding, such a strong understanding of Scripture and a clear and strong mind that in later years people could not believe that she had had mental issues, uh, mental health issues earlier in her life. She was amazingly wise, scrupulously honest, incredibly loving. She continued to sing her praises to her God until the week she died. She was always humming and, and uh, she would, the staff would come in and she would do little dances with them, wouldn't she? She would grab their hands and say, every day with Jesus, every day. And, and uh, they, they absolutely adored her in that nursing home. Um, they were awed by her. She was so affectionate and interested in them. And they all loved her. She's going to be sadly missed. But she lived a full and rewarding life and has finished her journey well and left us a wonderful example. And so she's a, a, you know, a classic example of faith today. And I want to just to pay honour and tribute to her for what she's shown us. Now, I do want to, uh, that's, a, that's the heritage that, that Bev has and has grown up with. But before I hand over to Bev, I do want to state that I understand, and as Sam said that this morning, not everyone's journey is the same. 
and experiences are all different. We live in a very fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. And I'm not trying to say that some people are more special than others because I don't believe that. However, there seems to be a correlation with facts that those who diligently seek God, even in the midst of distress, find comfort. Many here will testify to that experience. Some people say that answers to prayer are coincidences. But it's interesting to note that the more one prays, the more these coincidences seem to happen. Bev, my love, come and tell us your story. With a mother like that, I don't really think I need to say very much. <laughs> um, but I want to say that I value this amazing community of faith. And uh, it just seems that God is talking to us right now. Something, something is happening here. And I'm just very so delighted to be part of it. Um, and when I just think of Sam's sermons and things, the songs that are being sung, and everything seems to point to the fact that God is touching us with his special favour at the moment, and I want to give him thanks for that. But last week, um, Sam and also the children's song, one thing I want to say is that what happens in those kids' songs sometimes minister to us. Do you understand how much of a community we are? It's not just the adults and the children's church. It's we are a community together. Um, and so the song, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Um, and the rains came down and the floods came up, uh, but the house that was built on the rock stayed really firm. So my thoughts have been, when you build your house on a strong foundation, um, whether you build a house or we have to build a public building or a a building, or when we actually especially build our lives, the foundations have got to be strong. Um, and I, so I want to talk a little about my journey of faith, but, but I want to underline the fact that the foundations were strong uh, and that they were foundations of faith. As a toddler, as um, Michael said, my grandmother told me stories of faith. She used to peel grapes underneath the grapevine when I was too young to actually eat the skin. And she would tell me the stories of how that God would answer prayers miraculously, show her where people had fallen into wells um, and, and no one could find them. But she asked God where they were and he told her and they found the people there. And there are many stories and those are the stories that I heard as a tiny little girl popping grapes into my mouth. (laughs) But then as in my primary school years, I had a most wonderful Sunday school teacher at Goodwood Methodist Church whose name was Miss Penner. She was disabled and many of the kids used to laugh about the fact that she was, but oh, did she love Jesus. She really did. And she impacted me and just built something that was another stone, a strong foundation in my life. Then as a teenager, I gave my life to Jesus in uh, 1958. Um, And I began a regular attender of church. I would not miss it. 
Um, and the church that I attended was part of this denomination that we are now part of. So I've had 65 years in this particular um, uh, community of faith. I've worked, worshipped in different areas, but it's the same community of faith. And these were the basic truths. They were, Jesus is Saviour and Lord. That's a foundation. Jesus is the baptiser in the Holy Spirit. That is a foundation. Jesus is the healer and it's on the basis of the atonement is in the cross of Jesus. And Jesus is coming again. It was an amazing period of my life uh, in the teenage years. Many of us came to faith. Uh, we experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in an amazing ways, um, not just uh, in in a sense of the presence of the Lord, but there w- there were moments when we were uh, we were almost prostrated in the presence of God because we could we could not wait to get into a a meeting or a tent. Um, And Michael talked about mum finding the Lord in uh, Sunrise uh, Christian School in in a tent in that particular place. Um, But miracles occurred. Uh, We saw goiters disappear, absolutely. We saw cancer which was totally dis- disappeared. We saw tuberculosis disappear. I went to Bible college and sat next to someone who was healed miraculously of tuberculosis. He came out of the sanatorium, was prayed for and was healed. And I saw that a club foot on a very small child that was tor- turned in like this was straightened because of the presence of the Holy Spirit and because of the power of God. I couldn't get wait to get to church, and I don't think you would have either. Um, if you were in a church like when that was happening, we could not wait to get there because we kept saying, what is God going to do next? My family and I just wanted to spend time with respected older folk who knew their Lord and we wanted to gain from them. Uh, we had a hunger for learning and an understanding of scripture. We loved hearing speakers and teachers, and this was my foundation. However, I wasn't born with or did I enjoy in my early years good health. I had, like my mother, um, some issues with mental, not mental illness, but a nervous disposition. Um, and that was until 1958 when I gave my life to Jesus. So between, but then six years ago, I began a journey of serious health challenges. Between 2017 and 2023, I had three surgeries, two for cancer, um, uh, parts of my body were were removed, uh, and a gallbladder operation. I had a pacemaker because my heart was missing beats. I had two lots, three lots of radiotherapy. I had two lots of chemotherapy in a tablet form and I had three lots of immune therapy infusions. By late 2022, cancer, it was diagnosed um, as uh, grade four cancer, renal cell cancer, and it had become aggressive. So there was no more treatment 
I'd had enough. My body had had enough. My faith, and then I was referred to uh, Southern Flinders Palliative Care. I wasn't actually in Southern Flinders, uh, but I was at home and, re and referred to them. But my faith and my community of faith supported me uh, so amazingly. God answered many prayers along the way, but I was not healed. That, and yet there was a solid peace and a trust in a good God. Long-term friends shared both the good days and the bad days. And there were bad days, weren't there, Carol? <laughs> People like Mike, a faithful husband, Carol, Marguerite, Jenny, Willie, the Sanders, um, some Mavis and Rip, and some that you don't know, but they know um, they were in the wider community. These people just stood with me through those hard times, those really difficult, those five and a half years where nothing was happening and I was just doing what you have to do when you, when you choose to do when you go through the medical uh, procedures for cancer. But I want to hi highlight just one or two. Dear Anne Sanders, as you know, is an amazing lady who comes and brings food to people when they're either not well or babies have just been born. I mean, she is amazing the way that she just turns up with, I just, I just thought I'd just bring this. Well, she came to my house this particular day. I was so low. I was so ill that I could, I could hardly make it to the front door. Michael had had to go to hospital, so he was somewhere else um, with, a, with an, an issue of his own. Um, she delivered the food and she looked at me and we looked at each other and I said, Anne, would you pray for me? Um, Anne said, well, actually, I don't do that sort of prayer. <laughs> and I thought, what sort of prayer was that? <laughs> but bless her, I, I said, just pray for me. It was the most simple, simple prayer that God loved me and that he just wanted to be my support and my help. She left. I went to sleep that night. The next day I woke up and I just had an insight that I'd not had before. It was just amazing. I just went, I've got to go to emergency now. I've got to go to emergency now. So I did. They took one look at me, took some various tests and they said, wow, your gallbladder has disintegrated and the poison is right through the whole of your body as a result of all the uh, treatment that I'd had and perhaps ongoing issues. The doctors, um, uh, uh, the emergency doctor said, well, you need to go to have, have this operation now. You need to have it now. But we don't have any beds at Ashford because I had been to the private hospital at Ashford. Um, and um, so I said, well, okay, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll go wherever I need to go. And then the nurses came back and said, you better get ready. I don't know who you are. You must be royalty or something because there's a bed for you. <laughs> and And... Within myself, I said, I'm a child of God. <laughs> anyway, 
That was an amazing story. Now I want to share with you something. Uh, Anne Barnes sits up the back there uh, and she takes care of the um, the, the children's, uh, what are they called, those things over there? <laughs> I'm 80 now, I forget things. Um, yeah, Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Um, but more than that, she takes care of our little library. And she handed me a book. Uh, and this is what it said in page. It, it is a devotional of a man who is travelling the journey of cancer at the time. And uh, I recommend that if you've got anyone that is going through that, please get them this book. It's only $10 from, uh, and he's an Adelaide man. Um, and the, the title is Rest Back on the Treasury of Faith. There's an uneasy truth in my body between immunotherapy, which kills the cancer but wrecks the body, and steroids, which protect the body but rejuvenates the cancer. I'm told it's not a truce that can last. This war of attrition has left me in a state of weariness. I now find it hard to read for more than 20 minutes. And a wise man said to me, not to be troubled by this, he said, your ministry now will be shaped more by who you are as a result of a lifetime of walking with God rather than sharing and learning new things from reading books. Uh, I found this um, emancipating, that's what he said, and I was humbled by it because it caused me to reflect on what God had done during my life because I can easily forget. The truth is no one can stay the same as a result of walking with God and I'm immensely glad of that and I said amen to that. So that's the sort of thing that sustained me that came just from the body, from you, each, each one of you. And then finally, Andrew. Bless you, Andrew. You preached a sermon reaffirming that God wants to heal his people and it's based on the atonement and what Jesus did for him, did for us on the cross my goodness, was that was that a day? Um, I just I just came to the Lord and said, "Lord, I'm sorry. Somewhere I've that that foundation stone of knowing that that you want to heal me because of what you did on the cross and the completed work of the cross. Somehow I've let that slip a bit. It's it's just not as solid as it was. Lord, I'm sorry." And the people who were with me can testify that I prayed that way, and that was Carol and Andrew and Dan. Um, and so we prayed together uh, that God would heal me. Nothing happened at that point. Anyway, around about 2023 20, in April, Pastor Ian Miller came to Seton Christian Family Centre for a healing ministry weekend. If you want to know a little about uh, Ian Miller and his belief in the supernatural, Rediscovering the Supernatural is a great book. He has written that. Ian and Christine are personal friends of ours and ministry colleagues from a long way back, from 1985 onwards. And I said to Mike, I'm going to that weekend and I'm going to ask for prayer. It's not that you weren't praying for me. You all were. 
but I just knew I needed to go. In his preparation time talking to the Lord, he heard two words. They were prophetic words, not now and not this way. And then also he heard this, you've been robbed of six years, you've been sidelined, and that's not right. So he prayed strongly against the effects of the cancer based on the work of the cross, of, uh, work of Jesus on the cross. I felt nothing, just relaxed and received. But the next day my energy level lifted considerably and a quiet voice in my head kept saying, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. I've waited, I waited for four until four weeks ago when I finally convinced the professionals to take another CT scan of the affected areas. This report says, my words, not Medi-speak, and I've already run this past um, Alice, who is a palliative, not Alice, um, uh, not like Alice. Anyway, you know who you are. <laughs> um, you know, I've run that past people, you know, the medical speak is just under, not understandable unless you've been there, unless you're in that particular field. But this is my interpretation. It said, significant healing, resolution of the previously seen evidence and the scan of November uh, 2022. It's resolution of metastatic renal cell cancer grade four. That is amazing. Amazing. The reactions of the health professionals were all, they're all Christians. And my GP said, it's B dot, 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 marvellous. <laughs> You're an anomaly and you keep defying the odds. The, um, the kidney specialist, whom I saw only a week or so ago, said, I think you've been arguing with God, have you? <laughs> and my palliative care man said, you're a mystery. Great conversations have followed, as you can imagine. I've waited to share this publicly until now, but many of you have uh, been privileged to hear uh, um, and I've been able to share with you privately. Um, but those people have shared both the good news and the bad news with me. I feel for those who've lost loved ones to cancer and those who are still coping with serious illness and seeming unanswered prayer. I really, really feel from you. I know that, how you feel. I've been there five and a half years of it. I ask, why me? I don't know. I really don't. But my foundations tell me this, and I won't move on this, that God is with us, he is able, he's faithful, he's promised, and he is in control. So my challenge to you in conclusion is this. For each one of you, Acknowledge Jesus as your saviour. It's the only way to live. The only way to live. Live his way. You know, absorb his words. 
live his way. Learn about his way. Keep filled with the Holy Spirit. Never give up. Never give up because he never will. And stay open to the unexpected. You never know when God's going to turn things around. And finally, let me say, I value and love the community of faith. You, you don't realise I'm humbled and grateful to God, not just to God, but I'm humbled and grateful for you, each one of you that I know prayed for me so regularly, both Seton, Sterling and uh, this community and people overseas prayed faithfully. Some people prayed every day for me, every morning. And so as my faith family, may I say this, you are my heroes, not just Jesus, and we need each other. And that's what this being in church together, is. it's not, it's not coming to a, an institution, it's coming to a family. We, are, we need each other and we'll need each other more and more as the days go by. If you want to read the Medi speak, this is it here. <laughs> God is good. Thank you. He didn't heal everything. I've got a, I've got a wonky knee. <laughs> well, let's pray. <laughs> Thank you so much for just loving on us with your story. Um, it's really, really touching. You said some words there at the end. Um, might need to help me. God is um, faithful. Can, I just want to read those out again because I think that's foundational. And before, before you get that, I just had a picture as Bev was, was sharing. She was talking about her, her faith growing up has has been part of that journey of of getting to this this stage and just hearing the stories of faith having those words of scripture over her was the foundation that that God has used in this storm and i got a i got a picture and at building sites building sites these days they lock up the the building site because thieves can come and take materials um during the night and I just got this sense that for, for many of us, we, from growing up young, we, we've, we've built a foundation, yet either we're listening to voices or it's the devil or there's some sense of someone coming to steal the foundation, taking bits and saying that's not true anymore. Maybe we're listening to the voice of society or the voice of the evil one who's, who's lying to us and saying the thing that y- you built your life on as a child, those, those songs, those scriptures, are those things really, really real? And, and the foundation is being, being pulled away and, and taken away brick by brick. I just want to say this morning that as, as we declare this, this word of faith again, this is what is foundational. This is what is true and that we should protect our foundation 
And maybe this morning we need to say no more listening to those things, no more believing those things, but I'm going to hold firm to the truth of what has been spoken generation after generation after generation through the scriptures, through the word of God, that we're going to stand firm and hold on to the message of Christ and the message of the scriptures through the word of God. So I want us to do that this morning. As, as you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my foundation tells me that God is with us, that he is able. Let's believe that. He is faithful. He has promised and he is in control. God is with us. He is able. He is faithful. He is promised. And he is in control. I just want to invite the music team up. We're going to sing an older song that speaks of being forever grateful for what God has done in our lives. And can we stand as, I, as, as we lead this? And maybe, maybe Mike and Bev might want to um, be out the front as part of this. I'm going to come, come down the front and pray. But again, Lord, we just come to you and we just thank you for this story of faith. Lord, we thank you that as we look through the generations, we can see your hand at work, that you are a faithful God, that you are able to do more than we could ask or imagine. We know that in our weakness, you are strong. And Lord, as we think about our own lives, as we think about our own faith, Lord, there are things that are coming against us and robbing us of the truth. There are things that are being taken from us. And Lord, we stand this morning and we stand against that. And we declare a barrier, we declare a, um, a, a shield against the robbing of the foundations that you've laid And we just ask, Lord, that you would build that faith in us again, that you would remind us of your word, of your truth. You would remind us of who you are and that stories like Bev's would lift us up and, and, and tell us to the devil, no, that is not true. What you're, you're, what you're taking away from us is not right. I'm going to hold on to the firm foundation that you have laid and, and take hold of the word that you've placed in our hearts. So Lord, as we sing this now, I just, I just ask that if there's anyone here, perhaps it's from what was before, you're feeling like you're waiting, you're, you're longing for God to move. Perhaps you've got a, a, a something in your heart that you want healed. You've got a physical thing. You've got an emotional thing. Perhaps you've, you're, you're owning up to, to listening to the voice of the world that's saying that these things aren't true. And you just want to come back and you want to stand this morning and say, Lord Jesus, I again hold on to the truth that you've declared. And I want to just come and I just want to just pray that over you this morning. So as we sing, I welcome you down. Let's just minister to one another and ask that, as Bev said, that God is doing something in this place. Let's flow with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.
us, Lord. We're grateful for the work you're doing among us this morning. We know that you're not going to stop. You're going to keep going as we meet together, as we keep coming back to meet together in your presence. Thank you that you are mighty to save. And we come to you, Jesus. that brings us to a close this morning. Um, Please come forward if you would like prayer for anything and we'd love to pray with you. And thank you, Mike and Bev. Just wonderful. We're so blessed to have you in our church and we love you and we just appreciate what you've shared today. So have a great week. Go in peace and uh, God bless you. Thank you.